You are listening to the Spark Influence Podcast with Spark Media founders, Peter and Misty Phillip. Spark Influence is a podcast about living a life with intention in marriage, family, ministry, and as business leaders. This show is brought to you by the Spark Media Podcast Network. Visit sparkmedia.ventures for more inspiring podcasts. From aspiring musicians to church worship teams, theworshipinitiative.com has resources for everyone. The Worship Initiative is an online training resource to help you learn and lead top worship songs with in-depth instrument tutorial videos, chord charts, and more. Alongside instrument training, we have devotionals for every song and training videos on how to be an effective worship leader from voices like Shane and Shane, Phil Wickham, John Piper, Ben Stewart, and more. Only at theworshipinitiative.com. Start learning and leading your team now by using the code SPARK23 for your first month free. Hey friends, welcome back to the Spark Influence podcast. Last week I went solo and I discussed stewarding influence and this week Peter is back. So I thought, yay, I thought we would dig a little bit deeper. Also, I just got back from the Life Surge event and one of the main themes of the event was building kingdom resources to create kingdom impact to provide for our families and to be to provide for future generations and to be used for goodness and impact in the kingdom, which I think is really amazing that we can create wealth as believers that can have generational impact. And I think some believers struggle with this concept because they struggle with money. And this is not something that we've really talked on uh, about out on the podcast. We, we've touched on it a little bit when we've talked about, you know, it's, it's good for a man to leave an inheritance for his family. But I want to talk a little bit about being intentional in our business specifically today and about how we can uh, use our resources. But a, a verse in Proverbs 27, 12 says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself but the simple go on and suffer for it. So the world is kind of crazy right now with all kinds of stuff happening. Uh, the, this verse in Proverbs tells us that the prudent sees danger and hides himself. So let's start there. Like how are some ways that we can be intentional in our business yet hide ourselves? When I when I think about that, I think about hiding in the Lord, right? And and making sure that the Lord is the source of everything. I mean, that tells us where to go, what to do, how to do our business when we focus in on the Bible. Yeah, I mean to me, it, it would be a little late to say, oh, let's, let's look at this now. Like, really, it should be part of your plan, like, from the get-go, if possible, right? It would have been nice to set it up foundationally that way and make that the center of everything. But if it's not, and you're going to make that shift, um, there are a lot of, there's there's work there, right? Because it could be, for some people in their business, it could be a realignment of how they're working or how they're operating, what happens with my cash flow? How do I handle my profits? Right? Do I, am I a nonprofit or am I a for-profit? And so, what am I going to do with that profit? Um, how am I going to How am I going to make sure it's all kingdom focused? And where am I going to put that money? And I love that you opened opened up about generational, not so much generational wealth, but 
we've had this conversation before that that as a as a father who has the kingdom first in his mind what he should always be thinking about is my three generations from now how are they going to benefit from what i'm doing like you know now there's the adage that the first generation makes the wealth the second generation spends the wealth and the third generation exhausts the wealth right and that that's an adage typically from you know super wealthy sort of the blue chip families who you know made a bunch of money and the kids become brats and then they become these broke you know generation that just extinguishes the company and i think those are secular minded organizations that don't tend to be kingdom focused and so each generation should be instilled with that knowledge and that ability and and appreciation for what the lord did through the matri- the patriarch right or well, that family or the, or the parents that built this organization or built the company, passed it on to the kids. They could work it. They could grow it. They give it to their kids, right? And that legacy is not just whether it's a company, like you've got an AC company. And I started, let's pretend I started one in 82. And, well, no, I'd be in middle school. But let me just let's <laughs> talk about, right, we started it somewhere later. And then I gave it to Jacob, and Jacob has kids, and and now he's giving it to them, and they're all running. And it's all family, and it's all kind of a business. That's a really cool thing, and I like that. And I, I really applaud businesses like that, and I try to, I try to use them, you know, to, for the most part. But what really more is it about is how, how, do you, how are you handling what you've been granted? And is that, are you kingdom-minded about that, right? It's not just you and your resources and your organization. So to fast forward to what you just said a minute ago, which was how do we do that as a business? How do we sort of hide in that? It's complicated from a whether we delineate from a pure business aspect and business operations, or we really take in mind how am I going to pass this forward? How is this going to benefit the next generation? Um, and I think we can we can break that down, you know, in this episode. But I think it's a really good question to ask. There's a lot of meat behind that. Well, let's get started with um, with with you know I think. Scratch that, all of that. I think making deliberate choices and aligning our core values is important, and whether that is with our biz in in our business or or with our family. So let's let's begin by talking about you know as a Christian entrepreneur, what are some ways that we can be intentional with our business, and when we see danger coming, how how can we hide ourselves? The second part of that question is going to get complicated. I think the world is a, it's changing tremendously. It's a very hostile environment for Christians. So unless you, unless you have enough business where that the secular world is accepting of it, and that may be the case, it may not. Whatever that business is, the second part of that is you're going to have to maintain Christian community. Like your your audience and your customers are just going to be Christians, right? We'll look like Amish with electricity. Like we're going to do our own thing with each other. We're going to sell and barter, maybe even get back to bartering and trading, right? I've done a lot of that in my career. It's benefited me tremendously, right? I trade tech skills for dentistry work and electricity and lawyer work for computer help. Is that, you know, so it's, those are great things. And I think that's worked for a millennium, right? But I think a lot of cultures do that and do that well. I yeah, think the, Muslim, of, the Muslim world does it extensively. The right? Jews do it very much. Jews do business and borrow and loan and sell to each other all the time. Right. And I think yeah. a, a lot of those different people groups are very generational in their thinking. They are. And some of them have much longer. I mean, 
in the in the way they operate. Like let's take the, the Jews for example, they have many thousands of years of operating like this. Like and they still this is still a very accepted thing, right? So if you have a party or something, if you have a bar mitzvah, like the the all the party goods are going to come from a Jewish owned business. The bakery is going to make is going to be a Jewish owned, right? The food is going to be supplied by Jew, and that's a very pretty tight knit community. Christians have a, have a different. It's it's weirder, I think. We've sort of watered ourselves down to we just do business with whatever, right? And you see these occasional, like right now with Bud Light and some other, you know, Nike and stuff being boycotted. Christians are saying, "No, that's not my values. I'm not going to buy from you." But at at a at a um, at a broad level, we buy from everybody all the time. We don't have there's not it's not a big thing in the Christian world, outside of maybe Mormons do it somewhat, I think, but. For the most part, we will go where the resource is, and and it's benefited us from a, a an ability to be sustain a business and grow. And I don't know that there's a lot of that mentality of I'm going to do business with Christians. I'm going to sell to Christians. I'm going to buy from Christians, and I'm going to keep that in my community because maybe one day I can't just go to the store and buy something because I don't. Maybe I don't want to use the government's digital currency, and I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig out of that one, and I'm only going to buy and trade and barter from. Christians. And so I, I exist in a sort of sub sub market, right? That's not, uh, not maybe the main market, but if you're not set up for that, if you don't think about how am I going to handle my wealth and how do I distribute it to my family and to my Christian community, uh, as God sort of asked us to do, then it's, you're going to be, you're going to be late to the game pretty quick. Yeah. I think I can see though, where God is, is raising up some communities of people. So last week I attended a Christian networking group there where it is a Christian network of, you know, networks all over the country where you refer people to your business. So in one local area, you know, they have one, one main person who's the real estate person and one person Mm, who is, you know, the, the, whatever the different functions and roles within business are. And then they exclusively work with one another, but then they also work across the United States. Another example I can think of is the Curio Collective, which is a co-working space for kingdom-minded people. And there's a lot of referrals and people working together. So A lot I've, of Christian businesses operate inside that space and they help reinforce each other. Exactly. And I, th- I think that I can, I can see that happening a little bit more, but I don't see it as as often as I do. For example, we have um, a, an Indian neighbor who has multi-generations living under the same roof. Yeah. And that concept is very foreign to uh, Americans. It is to yeah. a normal American, right? But that, I mean, that they would stay together, right? I have a friend who's Muslim and when he got married, his parents moved into the guest room and him and his wife, he was the oldest, moved into the master bedroom and then he became the master of the house. And it was never a thought that their parents would live somewhere else. Like the, all the family lives there. And that, that's a, that's a neat concept to me. I mean, I, some people may like, I don't want to live with my in-laws, <laughs> but, but I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a togetherness, right? There's a tightness there. There's a support for each other, right? We experienced that living we, next door to your parents and, and your family was very much that way. Old yeah. school Italian where everybody sort of, I have a house, I give you a house, I give you land, you live near me, like yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And I think that it's important to, especially in this day and age where everything's getting more expensive, it's just becoming more difficult to live. And so if you can pool your resources in terms of, I diverted a little bit to the family and to discuss that, but I think it's important to have that multi-generational 
focus with our family and and also in our business. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't. I hate this term a little bit, but it's more of a village or a tribe style, right? Like my tribe maybe is just my family. Maybe I have ten members of my family. We all live by each other. We live next door to each other, and we, our resources are pooled. Our abilities are pooled, right? Maybe there's a younger. A female in the bunch that wa- helps watch all the babies, right? And and the men have a business together, or they all work in in complementary industries that help and, and and benefit each other. There's a lot. There's a lot of power in that, right? I I think we've we've sort of dissolved the nuclear family, if we're going to use that term of, and, and especially Christians, we need to struggle to get back there. We need to be mindful of our values should drive everything we do. Our values should come to be the core of that, right? And those values come from the Bible. They tell us what's right and wrong, and and we need to we need to harness those values and not not abdicate all the time, not roll over for convenience, right? Not say, well, it's just this time. Like, okay, I'm just going to do this deal with this person, and he's he's really not a believer, and but I'm going to make a lot of money off of it. You, yeah. So you already got a problem there, right? If you let the money drive the 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 value, then you have no values, right? Or, or you're very extraordinarily misaligned in your values. You, we, everybody has to make a living. I get that. But sometimes that dollar is too expensive. Absolutely. You know, w- one of the the speakers at the Life Surge were the Benham brothers, and they talked about getting this big deal television series that they had to walk away from. But they were seriously considering it, even though they 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 were going to say, "Well, we're still going to have our faith, but we're not going to talk about it." And and that's yeah. a, that's a compromise. That's a huge compromise. They, they talked about another time where they had this this office building kind of co working sort of space, or they were leasing space, and they had a scripture that was displayed prominently on the wall and a tenant came in and wanted him to take that down. And even though they'd been through the whole thing with the television, they were willing to almost do it again. And luckily they had people in their lives that spoke truth and spoke wisdom to them. And ultimately they made a right decision. But I think that's a temptation, not just to them, but but to us all, right? That Satan can really, you know, deceive us with, you know, this shiny bright thing like do this deal and it's going to make you all this money or it's going to do all this thing but no it, there those times are hard like I've, I've actually had and god's so surprising in the way he operates that like i was in a I, there was a deal that i was trying to work and it was multiple parties right so they had like the purchasing people and the cto and a bunch of hr people and some other people in this and i didn't know the company very well and we had had probably two meetings with them and what they were asking us to do was something they couldn't do legally, but they wanted to offload it onto us to do it. And we would do it as a consulting firm. They would be able to skirt it, right? And I said, I said, and initially I said, no, first of all, I'm not wearing an orange jumpsuit for you. Like, I'm sorry, that's not a thing. But And I thought, well, okay, this is, we're going to stand up for this is right and wrong. And someone in the meeting said something about being a, like a goody two-shoes, like, you know, kind of a goody two shoes thing. And I said, well, you know, yeah, basically, uh, first of all, you know, the word faith came out of my mouth at some point in the conversation. And I thought it was going to be, I was like, just turn the apple cart over. Like I could tell this was going to be, and the three other people in the room who were not trying to push us to do that all said, 
all of a sudden I find out they're Christians and they're like, I agree with you. Like this probably, this is not, we shouldn't ask you this. Like, this. and it turned the whole meeting on its side. Like a meeting, that guy was just like, Whoa, okay, this was, you know, he I was suddenly outnumbered by his own people and by the people in the room. But I, I, I thought, okay, I've just set this thing on fire and pushed it down the hill. But God said, no, there's other Christians in this room and you didn't know that until you spoke up. And then, then there you go. And, and I'm not, I mean, it was, not an intentional. I didn't just say no. I'm a Christian. I will. I will not abide by this. Like it wasn't like that, right? Right. You, you get. That's not. I don't, I don't operate that way. But I did say, look, this goes beyond being right and wrong. Like I, my faith wouldn't allow me to do this. So there's no way I could do this, and something along that lines. And uh, and he surprised me by saying, no, oh, this is. Look, there's there's other people in this this room who are of the same mind. They are the same heart, and uh, it was a, a tremendous surprise to me. And I think that. That happens a lot for uh, for Christians. Like we don't say it, we don't speak it out. Like everybody, all all the other faiths will just straight up tell you, man. Like I'm this, I'm religion X, and this is what I believe, and you you like it or not. But Christians are like we don't. I mean, most Christians you don't know they're a Christian unless it's their behavior. They never profess it out loud, except it's you because you always say that. <laughs> I talk about Jesus you, all you, the time you, uh, because I want everybody to know Jesus. I don't I know. Want, I get that, but I in the business want... world, it's a different structure, right? Well, and it's absolutely. very different. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be because all these other religions do it all the time, right? You know, I can't. Prof- I can't. Out loud, prof- I can wear a cross around my neck, but I'm not going to wear man jewelry. That's just weird, but. <laughs> I don't have a yarmulke, right? I'm not wearing a yarmulke. Yarmulke is a dead giveaway in any place you go. If somebody walks in, you're like, oh, well, he's Jewish. <laughs> right. Right? Or if a Muslim comes in in any kind of traditional anything, headdress or whatever they're wearing, like it's pretty darn obvious right away, right? Like, oh, okay, well, this is this is a, probably, a, it's probably a Muslim. But Christians, there's not that. Maybe a cross, but the cross has been so diluted by society where it's it's a fashion icon thing and, People use it in all sorts of ways that are not necessarily. This is an expression of my faith, right? Um, not, every, and not. I'm not saying that everybody that wears one is is just wanting jewelry, but those are things like when it comes to business and and us stepping out. You know, Christians really, I think, to protect ourselves, we felt like we had to be quiet about it because we've let we've believed the lie that society has been bashing us with. When they tell us we have to be the ones to sit down and be quiet. They don't tell all these other people to sit down and be quiet. They tell Christians to sit down and be quiet. And I think it's time we said, no, I'm, I'm not going to sit down anymore and be quiet. My Lord commands me not to sit down and be quiet. So, I think you're right. I think we can do that by creating boundaries, uh, by speaking up when something is not right. And I love the way that you said that you handled it. My faith would not allow me to do that because I think you're absolutely right. I think more people believe than we think believe. Yeah, 100%. But they, they, they may not want to speak out because they they're don't, scared now. We've been beaten on the head for this for like 50 years. Right. They man. don't want to lose their job. They don't want to, ha- they don't want to be canceled. They don't want, yep. you know, these negative consequences scared to Scared of martyrdom. Like it's like being scared. Of, and martyrdom doesn't necessarily, I mean, technically the definition is to die for your belief in faith, but you can be a mini martyr by standing up in a meeting or you can be a mini martyr by saying, no, I'm, that, I'm a Christian. I'm not gonna do that. Like, no, or We've we've let ourselves be convinced that we have to take the back seat, the turn the other cheek conversation, right? That totally misappropriated by society that to them means I'm going to hit you. And every time I do, you need to just turn and give me the other side so I can hit you again. It's not what that means. It's not how it, it's not how it was meant to be meant. And uh, I think it's been 
corrupted enough to try to just keep Christians in the corner and shut up. I think you're right. I think that there are verses in the Bible that are cherry picked out that are then used against us all the time without looking at the full context of scripture, without looking at the the context of individual passages, but also the greater context of of all of scripture. So one of your favorite verses is an Old Testament verse that, you know, that is about God's judgment, really, in, in, in the way that, that God uses judgment. And, and God is the same in today's world as he was yesterday, today, and forever. We serve the same God. And the, the Bible does, I don't think it does want us to just slink back. I think that we're to be bold and courageous in our faith. But still, you know, not turning people away from Jesus. So right, and it's it's uh it's the that's kind of the martyr thing, right? Where you're talking about people are scared of being canceled, like so they don't speak up. Maybe maybe you're popular on one of the stupid social. Well, they're all stupid social media platforms. Pick one, and you've got some followers, and you're you're semi popular, and something comes up, and you can like, well, I can, I can really speak out about this. But I'm going to lose thousands, thousands of followers, and people are going to come after me, or I can just not say anything. Now, which is the greater sin? Which is the greater sin to say nothing, yeah. right? Let's go from being a boiling pot to like lukewarm, tepid water, right? And then you know, and that's something that I actually struggle with a lot because there's a lot of things that I could be very vocal about. You know me; I mean, you live yeah. with me, and but I never want to when I'm on a podcast or I'm speaking. I would never want to turn anybody away from Jesus. So I try to keep some of my political views or other views. I think there's a time and a place that we do it. And I think some people are meant to do it and do it much better than others. So for example, I think you can do a much better job uh, of it than, than I could. So you just said something that I've heard for a long, long time. And I've heard it said many, many times by Christians. And I feel like we've been hoodwinked into thinking if I say something and it may cause my brother or sister to stumble has become the catchphrase to keep us from saying anything. So, so what if you, yeah, you might stumble. I might tell you something that is, you're absolutely insane. And I tell you something and it's going to piss you off and you're going to just take off or you might go the other way. Sorry. That's, that's how it is. Like, that's the truth. I'm sorry if I offended you, but that's how it is, right? Well, and, and you're right because the, the Bible does say that we are to rebuke each other, right? Yes. If, if, if I, if I am into, if I am in sin, then you're to tell me that I'm in sin and you're to help, you know, correct me or, or your brother. Yeah. You're, uh, rebuke, you know, your rebuke, brother. Re- rebuke believers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that in the cold world, you just start rebuking everybody that's a different <laughs> yeah but i don't even think people within the church are, are rebuking because nobody rebuking. wants to nope. hurt anybody's right. feelings and everyone's scared well i don't want to make them stumble like you know what sometimes you gotta trip somebody and make them fall on the ground so they can take stock of what the heck's going on like that's okay i, I do think that's okay and maybe that's just me getting older and angrier like all the time so <laughs> it's not a, i can't disqualify that as being a, a significant portion of what that attitude is about but if we don't ever call people out if we don't ever give them truth if we don't ever tell them how it should be as the Bible states, what are they going to know? Like we, we can't give them, I'm not going to give, you know, give them, you know, all, it's all cherries and awesome. Like you're going to just say this prayer and boom, man, life's great. No, it won't be. It'll get worse. I promise you. 
but we have the blueprint and the book. We have the script for this entire play. This play is the history of mankind since it's written, and we have the entire script, and it tells us everything we need to do and how to play it. We know where our parts are. We know when to act. We know when not to act. And yet we walk around oblivious and acting like, where's my line? What's my line? Where am I? Like, no, you should know that we have the, the script is in front of you. Read it and then execute against it, right? I, I love that. That that really is, that's brilliant. I love, I love that. I love that you said that because you're right. I think I look at a lot of the things that are happening in the world today. And as a woman with a business, I think that I can make some decisions based out of fear if I look at if I look at the totality of what's happening in the world as opposed to looking to God and asking God. And that that for me is a struggle. I that's something that I personally deal with is 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 that battle. I think we're frustrated that God only gives us a candle and not a spotlight. Because the candle only illuminates a couple of steps ahead, right. whereas if I had a spotlight, I could see miles away and forward and see. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. He's not going to give me a, a giant spotlight that I can shine in front of me and go. Oh, I see where I'm going. No, he gives you a candle and you can see two or three steps. That's all, and that's how he operates. And that's because it's because that's refinement. Faith. Yeah, that's and faith. that's faith. It's hundred percent faith. Yeah, that is faith. It is taking a step. It is doing it afraid, having courage to just step out and take the next step. And then I think if we t- misstep, God's going to correct us. He's going to convict us. He most certainly will correct us. Yeah, he will correct you without question. And sometimes it's a brutal correction, but. He's so faithful. He's so loving. He's so generous. He's so kind all the time, right? And I don't. A lot of people don't see that. You know, I'm a big gratitude person. I'm like really big on being thankful every day because a, I woke up. Thank you, Lord. You know, yeah. B, I can breathe. Thank you, Lord. Next, and then just you just keep chunking them out the rest of the day, right? I think people lose gratitude, and just being at the end of the day thankful for I have a wife, I have children. I'm not out in the rain. You know, I, I have, I can open a fridge and get food. Like I can go, whatever. All, there's so much to be grateful for and so many things that he does that we take, we take for granted. We just completely take it for granted and we assume we're owed these things and, and we're not owed anything. And so be grateful for that. And that comes from that, you know, equates back to business, right? Like be grateful for your business. Be grateful for your work. Work is important and it helps many, many other people, especially if you're a business owner and you have employees, you're, you're, they have a life that's centered around doing the work for you that you provide them that then they can go and buy cars and homes and groceries and have children and go on vacations and live life and grow and be a believer in their community and all these things that these many ripples, I talk about this all the time with you, right? Like you have no idea the ripples that happen from your, your stone that you drop in the pond. And they just, there's hundreds and hundreds of rings that happen and you don't see how far away that thing goes. That person had a job because of you, then you instilled faith in them and they go meet someone who's a relative in another town and they have a conversation with them and they go to, they come to Christ and you have, you can't imagine how that happens. And so I think, you know, rolling all the way back to the beginning of your part about how to shore up with that, it it is living your faith in your business. You have to. And I think we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus all the more as we see the day of his return drawing near. I think we are also to to keep our eyes and look out for Jesus because he he is going to return soon and we want to we want to hear well done and good and faithful ser- servant. Absolutely.